This isn't just beer. This is beer longing. Welcome to this beer longing special. As always, I'm joined by Mark and Rob. Evening, gentlemen. Good evening. Good evening. And we'd also like to welcome our very special guest, Mr. Andy Parker from Elusive Brewing. Andy, how are you doing? Fantastic. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure. It's always a pleasure to have you on. And this is your first time officially on Beer Longing. We we did the did the Patreon special with you earlier on in the year, uh, but this is your first time on the main show. And it's, as I say, it's great to have you here. And you're here to talk to us about your brand new beer, Destination IPA, um, which you've been kind enough to send us. We are going to give that a little try in a second. But this is a beer that you've brewed for your 50th birthday, which is which is upcoming, isn't it? It is amazingly, yeah, because I'm obviously nowhere near fifty, but you know the fastball <laughs> that I am, and um, yeah, so uh, I've got to just accept it and go on with it. I suppose. So thought we'd, um, you know, brew something just nice uh, to celebrate with and have a bit of a party. Well, should we should we raise a glass of this to you, Andy? Happy yep. birthday! Yeah, happy birthday, mate. Thank you. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's, that's, uh, that's everything you hoped it would be. I mean, we're, we're, we're the right audience, us free for for this beer. It has to be said. Oh, it's just uh, oh wow, it's, it's so good, isn't it? Oh that's, wow, that's, that is delicious. <laughs> Andy, uh, obviously, destination IPA, six point five percent IPA. Uh, we've brewed with Burning Sky and the Colonel. What a collaboration for your birthday. Um, tell us how that, tell us about the beer. Tell us how it came about. Um, well, I'll tell you how the cloud came about to start with, and then we can talk about the, the, the beer and the recipe. I mean, it was, uh, I did a, a collab with Burning Sky last year. It was a little, uh, like a double header with two beers. And I spent uh, the night down in Lewis uh, with Mark and the team. And um, we brewed an ESP, an ESB and a red IPA. Uh, there was day by day and spend your wishes. Um, and that was a really great experience getting to work with Mark and um, who I'd, I've known Mark for a few years, but not not particularly well, but I bumped into him at events and we chatted at a few things and um, he he reached out during lockdown and we had a, a, a long phone call about various things and um, we kind of, you know, agreed that when things are back to normal, if they ever will be, then we'll, we'll get a beer, get together and brew a beer. So that's how that came about. And what I said to Mark was, um, it'd be lovely to have him back, obviously down to Fincham says to brew with us. Um, and I mentioned it was my 50th next year. Um, and um, he said, yeah, great, we'll, we'll come down and brew something. And um, and then was kind of got that in the calendar um, and was thinking, you know, really, uh, how how can we get something? I want to brew something like, like my dream beer. How do I how do I kind of get get to that point where I can really want to show how far we've come and with that name, um, Destination, um it's it, it's trying to tell a story in a way and um i thought it'd be fantastic to get evan involved from the colonel um evan someone who um yeah pretty much at the start of my 
poppy beer little journey, if you like. Um, back in 2010, um, back in his, the first Archit Colonel, he used to be a little group every Saturday that kind of, well, what's, what's new this week? And uh, he was going through a range of single hops and multi-hops, and really we were learning through his brewing. Um, and um, and I've, you know, I've been in touch with him ever since. See, see Evan Freakin, and we chat a lot. And um, it, it's uh, it was just a, you know, I said, well, Mark's coming down to brew. Sent him an email. Mark's coming down. Do you fancy joining us? Uh, and we'll get together and brew something for my birthday. Uh, and not really expecting anything back. And he replied, going, you know, what? I've not seen Mark for since the lockdown, and it'd be lovely just to spend a day hanging out. So count me in. Let's go. And that was how it came together. So um, the once we kind of got the. Um, we knew who was going to be involved in it. Mark was like, well, if Evan's involved, it's got to be an IPA. Um, and that's, we went from there basically. So we started talking about recipe and, um, you know, the grist is very much in the kernel style, super light. Evan doesn't like, um, like Dextrin, like Munich, nothing chewy. It's all very super pale, the kernel IPAs that you drink these days. And um, the rest of it kind of um, back and forth on hops. We wanted to use a, a new hop called HBC 522, which is like a super centennial. Um, but other than that, I hadn't really decided anything. And, and I was fretting a little bit. And then the, the day before, I just said, you know what? Evan, it's Evan O'Reilly and Mark Tranter. I'm just going to open some bags of hops and just, we'll just get on with it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. Um, so yeah, they came down and um, we opened some hops and we mashed in. And um, the recipe came together on the day. Uh, and that's the result. I mean, it's a... Uh, I, I, kind of felt the weight of expectation a little bit when we kind of announced this beer was coming out. Um, I mean, to brew with, with those two is is an honour. Um, and you don't use those names lightly in beer. And I, I couldn't imagine having a, those names uh, on a mediocre beer. And it, it's something I've been fretting over since the moment it went in tank. And um, when we finally uh, got, to, got it carved up and got it ready for, for final QC, I'm like, you know what, this is a really fucking good beer and I'm absolutely yeah. happy with it. And thank God for that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you all did a good job there. It's interesting you say that uh, Evan is not a fan of like the Munich malt and the chewiness because to me, this is really like chewy, full on resinous. Yeah, I, it is. And it's from the it's from the hops. Uh, the, the grist is super, super light. And we, we used our house, uh, LAX yeast, um, uh, but the thing that's different is, that, I mean, if you compare it to Oregon Trail, for example, uh, where we do use a little bit of uh, carrot and a little bit of um, uh, rye, but it is kind of pale. But uh, the difference is that in that we use a, a flex bittering extract, which is a super clean bitter bitterness. This is old school, dirty bitterness. It's basically, uh, it's Columbus in at the start of boil in a good wedge, you know, it was a kilo or something like that on that brew length and, uh, and it's just kind of let's get the hops in the boil and just old school load them up um, throughout the boil. And um, what you've got is a chewy, sticky beer all from that hot side hop edition. And the HBC 552, is that your first time using it? or? Yeah, no, we did the beer called Forbidden West uh, with Indie Rabble, which is a new startup in Windsor. Um, and we we tried, we tried it and I only got 10 kilos. The other five went in that beer. Um, and we kind of knew where it would take the beer. So the, the this beer is hot side hopped with um, Columbus, Chinook and Citra, and then we dry hopped it with Simcoe and the 522. And I think the, the, the Simcoe, obviously we all know what Simcoe gives, that kind of pine pine tree thing. Um, 
and the 522 is giving again that kind of deep orange uh, aroma, the candy orange, like the uh, along with that a little bit more resin. So I'm really pleased how the hop profile came out um, and trying it pre dry hop and post dry hop uh, and how it came together once we dropped it bright and carved it. Yeah, I think it's a really good result with that, those combination of hops. Yeah, I think it all seems to just combine together to make a beer that is just really balanced and really easy to drink. And most importantly for me, it's pintable. I just like to drink pints, and <laughs> this is this is a pinter. Um, I, I think we're, we're we're quite fortunate to see Andy that you, we we can see how pleased you are with this beer <laughs> as, as, as you're talking about it. You're abs- to, to our listeners. Um, Andy's absolutely beaming from <laughs> from ear to ear as, as as he's talking about this beer, and it's it's a, it's a lovely thing to see. And I, I do love the fact that you paid your your own little homage to the Colonel in the brewing process. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're they're great process. I mean, I've never been there to brew, but yeah, it's very much what they think will work together. And they, they famously, of course, um, rotate everyone through all the roles at the brewery, so different people get to brew, and and with that, you get different palettes, you get different, uh, you know, views on what what will work together well, and yeah, very kernel in, in the approach to this one, which I'm very happy with. And although I will say that um, Mark kind of blew us away with his because uh, we had three different hops uh, that I mentioned there, the the, the Columbus Snook and the Citra. We decided to do, I mean, it's a fairly common hopping approach where you have like, like a pyramid, upside down pyramid, where the, the further through the board, the more you add. Um, and it, it Mark said, we'll do a 2 to 1 ratio uh, and basically just worked out in his head and got to, to within one IBU of the target. Uh, he's like, I think it's about this. And I've got my little app out. I'm like, you, that's, you're within one IBU. He's like, oh, I'm getting a bit rusty. That's <laughs> <laughs> unreal. That's uh, that's twenty years of brewing experience, I guess. Oh, you're still going to have a brain for it, though, <laughs> aren't you? That's amazing. And anybody that can do maths like that in their head, yeah, just, I, just, I definitely yeah, can't. Yeah, it just blows me away. And <laughs> um, what what are the the, the IBUs on this, Andy? Uh, it's about sixty sixty okay. target. Um, so it's uh, but as I said, it's got that kind of it's all um, yeah. The the bitterness was that Columbus, which gives that slightly pithy tongue coating resinous bitterness which really suits the style um and yeah i think that bitterness comes through although it's a uh, not that much more bitter than oregon for example uh the bitterness really carries uh, in this beer i think it's like it's like the old school U- u.s imports that that we used to get um you, you know we we obviously had that revelation recently with corvallis and just how amazing that beer was and obviously that passed all three of us by that it was a it was a tribute to sierra nevada's <laughs> torpedo, torpedo and, yeah there we were talking about every other beer that it reminded us of bar that one um but it's it's got that kind of feel to it and, and like you say it has got that that sort of kernel-esque-ness to it if that's even a word um in in terms of it's very clean it's very crisp and and again it you, you know it just takes you almost takes you back in time when you're drinking it to, to to the days when when probably all of us started drinking this sort of beer yeah I mean, it's nice to hit that kind of feeling because it obviously is what we set out to do and um although the beer the beer is is called destination it's very much and i sound like someone on the x factor now about like the journey in a way and and discovering and and Discovering good beer through these kinds of beers years ago. You mentioned Corvallis, and um, Corvallis was, yeah, it was a strap tribute to Torpedo and um, almost orange in colour, like amber. And you think back to 2012 when we were drinking those US imports, um, and, and that's what they were like. You know, you pour them out, it's like, you know, 
it's almost copper coloured um, resin for days, super, supremely bitter. Um, and Corvallis was it's been interesting because it's not been the best seller uh, we've done. It did it got it gained momentum and work out and it and it, it went, but um, it, you, it was you're really, welcome. You know, you're, you're very we completely missed the torpedo <laughs> reference, but uh, we we liked it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But it's an interesting. I mean, the, the, the hops in that of uh, talking about Corvallis now. It, it was Magnum and, and um, Crystal used, uh, and they're really. And the, it was the Corvallis is the town where Crystal hops were uh, first planted. Uh, so that's the nerdy reference there. Ah, but, uh, yeah, they're a... very much not seen as aroma hops either of them. Uh, and yet Sierra Nevada were obviously you know looking to get new things into hops and from the hops and. And we're using Magnum as, a, as an aroma hop. So interesting one there. And you talk about, obviously, the name's Destination IPA, but it's it's more about the journey that you've been on. And I'm, I'm guessing there must have been a moment on the brew day where you just stood back and was was like, pinch me, pinch me now, <laughs> because look, look what's happening in my own brewery. I, I've, I've got these two people that I've always looked up to uh, here and they're brewing with me. I, I mean, you must have just had the best of days brewing this beer. Yeah, no, it was lovely hanging out with those two. And, and actually, the um, highlight for me was that they both brought some beers down. Uh, and um, Evan bought the his beer de saison cherry, and Mark bought his Cuvée Creek. So we, we were nerding out over mixed firm cherry beers for like a good hour, <laughs> pairing the two. And that was just fascinating to me because it's something that I've got no experience in. And, and it was very much a, a schooling for me in, in mixed firm and in using fruit in that way, uh, aging beer on fruit. Um, so that's really fascinating. But yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, definitely a pinch me moment when, uh, yeah, well, I took a picture, took a snap of uh, Evan and Mark mashing in and I'm like, yeah, this is a nice day. I think if people talk about the best West Coast IPAs in the country at the moment, there's three names that always get brought up brewery-wise. And for, if I was going to pick somebody who was going to, bring burning sky and kernel together into a beer it would have been yourself so um it it just makes sense to the rest of us as much as you might have been a bit <laughs> starstruck so there were the, because obviously elusive is the name that's always mentioned about the, the best west coast ipas in the country and so i think mark and evan uh obviously legends in this country at the moment, but I think it's a pleasure for anyone to get to be with Andy Parker at the moment, especially <laughs> on this style of beer. And it needs to be said, Andy, I'm sorry. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And again, just going back to, to, to the journey thing, I mean, let's, we're not going to do the story of Elusive because I think that's been well-documented on, on many other podcasts. And I think we even had a, had a brief chat to you about it earlier on in the year. But in terms of when when you set out to start the brewery, is is this where you imagined you'd be at, at this point in the brewery's journey, or were you know, or were you going higher, lower? What 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 was what was you aiming for when you first started? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've thought about that a lot because we're seven years in now, and so a lot of businesses don't get this far, and we we have, and you know, I'm very proud of that, and I'm proud of where we are today, and particularly in the past three or four years where things have really fallen into place for us. Um, I mean, when I started, I, I think I've said this before that I had a, I'm, I'm quite risk averse and I meticulously planned the first year. Uh, I worked out the first 10 brews and we kind of had a whole plan. I had a business plan, spreadsheets for days. And I got to the end of the first year and I ticked all these boxes off. And my, all my sales went green. I'm like, oh, cool. 
Uh, and Jane, my wife, said, well, what about next year? I'm like, I haven't thought about that. <laughs> and I, was, I didn't really have a long-term plan. I mean, I, in terms of strategy, I knew that um, Elusive was always going to be small. Uh, I didn't didn't want to get to the point where I'm managing a big team or, um, you know, it, not uh, not part of a big company again. Uh, and that was really my only vision for it. And just try and, uh, I mean, it's very, very cliche, but just try and be the best we can be and brew the best beers we can. And we focused a lot in the past couple of years, especially on quality. And I've spent a good chunk of money on uh, new cannon line recently, new tanks, um, just trying to make sure that we really, you know, we, we built a name now, not with any great intention, but here we are for brewing West Coast IPAs. It's something I love to do. So let's make them the best we can make them. And uh, and that's why, you know, when I, um, you mentioned pretty, my face tells a story with this beer, but yeah, this is, um, this is like, yeah, it's like a cumulative thing where you, you try and improve each time and, and drinking this beer from tank, I'm like, yeah, you know, this is good. And if I, if I walked into a bar and ordered a pint of this, I'd be really happy with it. Um, but in terms of elusive and where we are, uh, I, I could tell you that it was all part of some big plan, but it really wasn't. We just kind of gone with the flow and uh, Oregon Trail during lockdown set us on a path. And, and here we are three years nearly later, um, a long way down that path. And that, that makes me very proud and happy. You know, obviously Oregon Trail itself has been hugely popular and it's like constantly um, either been brewed or in, or in the tanks. But um, that's not the only West Coast beer that you've brewed since then. Did you see yourself kind of just building this name for making these West Coast IPAs? And Yeah, sort of I think once we saw the pop popularity of Oregon Trail, it's like, well, we've got a potential little niche here. And I think... Um, you know, every brewery, even at our size, needs to have you know some kind of niche that you can carve out and, and follow to um, to be successful. With. And that's been our thing. And I think once we, we we had Oregon Trail and we started looking at other things, and whenever we do collabs, people that come to brew with us or like I'll come brew at West Coast, and it's given us loads of opportunity to learn and to research. Um, I think uh, we did a, a collab with um, Syrah called Nine Mile Ride. Which is like let's take this super modern uh, and all lager malt, a hybrid lager yeast, Nelson Sovin, a uh, little bit of citra, and that's like one end of the spectrum. And if you think of Corvallis as being the opposite end, you've got this whole array of what you think is a West Coast IPA style. And we've been playing around with all of them, and I think that kind of uh, ability to play around and experiment just cements your learning and cements your experience in, in brewing them. And and I think this this beer destination is a real culmination of all that. I was going to say because I think I bought the the couple of boxes I bought. They were out at the same time because there was a couple of boxes I bought from you guys that I call Vallis and Nine Mile End in the same box. And yeah. Nine Mile End was a great beer, but I almost got overshadowed by how much I enjoyed Corvallis. So it didn't really get mentioned, certainly on the pod, of what a good beer it was. But it was a completely different beer as well, a completely different beer. So there's no sense of West Coast IPA. It's just been a you know, a straight down the middle, this is what they all taste like kind of thing because yeah. they were so different side by side. And that, that kind of nightmare ride is a uh, a bit of a nod to what the guys like Highland Park are doing in San Diego and they've all, they've gone down that super light, super crisp, a little bit driven maybe by um, the cold IPA and the West Coast Pilsner and these kind of little side styles that have come up. Uh, but the... Um, yeah, that what they're doing now on the West Coast is is all super pale, super light, uh, and mostly modern, more modern hops. So your mosaics, your Nelsons, and 
so you don't really see your Columbuses and your Chinooks, if you like, in in the more modern West Coasters, which is which is interesting, isn't it? It's evolved as a style for sure. So even the um the 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 OGs of the West Coast IPAs are looking a little paler now as well these days. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that that kind of chewy crystal malt vibe is is falling out of fashion. Perhaps with you know it's drinkers that, that drive this. Um, yeah, and you know the palettes have changed, and um, but you know things move on. And like you say, Oregon Trail is is your flagship beer. Um, as as Rob said, you're either brewing it or you're fermenting it, and it's as yep. simple as that. There's there's always Oregon Trail, but it's 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 a beer that you've you kind of tinkered with in the early days, didn't to try and get it exactly how yeah. you wanted it. But since then, we've also seen you do other things with it. So we've seen the kind of the mashing up of Oregon Trail with um, Babyface Assassin of with at Roosters. And more recently, uh, not to be understated, this as well, the first brewery to do a collaboration with Oakham. Yeah, um, that's pretty in, bad. In, in terms of mashing up Oregon Trail and Citra to, to produce Nimrod IPA. And I've got to say, that beer just tasted exactly how I wanted it to taste. It was <laughs> it was like someone had poured me half a pint of Citra and half a pint of Oregon Trail in, into a glass because it had the characteristics of both. And and I think like like you say you since you've done that you, you did the Oregon Trail trilogy I think you ended up calling it earlier on yeah. in the year, which which we featured on um, the Patreon special that, that that we did with you where the three of us had well the four of us just had a lovely time chatting with you and drinking those beers, and you're not done there are you? <laughs> no, <laughs> no we're gonna we're gonna carry on Stephen we got uh, in fact today. Here's an, uh, an exclusive for you, and we mashed in Triple Oregon Trail, uh, and we're going to uh, release the second trilogy uh, to include also uh, Sunset Oregon Trail, which will be a red rye. Yeah, because and and part of it, uh, the 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 triple uh, I'm going to complete. Uh, you know, cards on the table is because the we can pack that before the end of the month when the duty changes come in, uh, and uh, we'll prevent that being a quid quid twenty more expensive to buy. So we can pay the duty on it in July, and pass that saving on, uh, which would be really cool. So yeah, that that series will be out. Um, I think the red's the last one we'll pack in, and that will be first week of August, hopefully. So yeah, keep them peeled. And, and I will just say we're going to come back to the the, the duty stuff because we, we, we want to chat to you about that. But for those listeners and followers of ours that have that have been gear, getting really vexed recently about the seven basketballs, uh, <laughs> a, a couple of a couple of weeks back, you you sent us a picture of the destination IPA can and the new Oregon Trail trilogy. Which uh, we we put into our chat group between the three of us, and and Rob got so excited. No, it's, it's actually Mark got so excited that he accidentally put a basketball emoji in, there, <laughs> which he didn't mean to do at all. And then I just put seven basketballs, and then it and then it's just been a little because we, we've just been so excited about these four beers that that we've kind of just been having a little just like keep just uh, sending seven basketballs on Twitter to just so. 
each of us <laughs> see it and just uh, just real you know what it's just really good to just be excited about beer again rather than just being angry and annoyed <laughs> about just, things yeah. it, it was supposed to be a crying happy face and somehow it was a basketball <laughs> and i was like do you know what that's what it that's what it is now and then yeah, it became it's, seven it's, 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 it's seven basketball yeah, it's it's made some people angry it's uh, it's 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 driven some people to despair trying to work out what it means and nobody has come close to a Figuring out what it was. It's Look, a, it's just a thought, random thing. You're never going to guess it. Oh, yeah. People thought it was a lot more complicated than it is. We've had stuff about Steve hosting basketball events. So, okay. <laughs> so well, very this, this is what it is. Oregon <laughs> Trilogy number two. Yeah, yes. we're, we're just we're just excited about just cold beers coming out. And, yeah, that happened. So, sorry. And <laughs> hope that it, 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 if, if you enjoyed it, then no worries. We enjoyed it, too. At least you got a title for this show and for this episode. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, if, oh, if, yeah. if nothing else. <laughs> Very carefully thought about as well. Yeah, and that's that's the first week of August that's coming, yeah, Andy? But Yes, I think that's about right, yeah, um, around about then. Yeah. Obviously, if people sign up to the Lucive newsletter, that's that's how you'll get notified when when the beers are ready to to, to pack and, and 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 be sold on. So yeah, very much looking forward to um, trying those as as well when they that they come around. Especially, well, no, I I think I'm torn which one I'm more excited about. I I want... I, I, I'm very excited for two different reasons. One reason being, you know what? There's just there aren't that many Roy IPAs around these days. And second, I've I've, I've said many times that the Triple IPA is pointless, so I just can't wait to be proved wrong. <laughs> yeah, um, and you know, Rob, I, I think we, we talked about that on the last trilogy thing, and I was nodding along thinking, you know what? Uh, <laughs> IPAs, are, um, you know, often don't add much, They're just a double with more booze. Um, so that's a challenge for me to try and make it, uh, you know, interesting and, and not just a big booze fest. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm proved wrong very often, so I, I look forward to it. <laughs> Uh, in terms of the sunset one, what's the been the approach there? Is it Oregon Trail with rye thrown in, or is it a lot more complicated? Um, no, we're gonna gonna start from scratch with the grist because obviously we've got level up uh, as a red that we brew uh, fairly regularly, um, not so much in the summer, but um, yeah, I'm gonna use the base of a kind of red rye IPA and um, really want to get that that rye because rye obviously features in um, Oregon. It didn't feature in the double or the the black IPA, the midnight, but for the red, it makes sense to get it in there because that those flavors really work well together. Um, so I think it will be the, you know, the the standard Oregon hops that playing around with the grist and and get that get it red in color and and add more rye than we had to Oregon Trail um, to really build that rye flavor in. We got um, red crystal rye, we got uh, the pale rye malt, we got some um, carrot red, there's some other malts going in there to really layer that flavor and color in. And and there's no no inspiration being taken from Sierra Nevada again. They're ruthless rye by any chance. Uh you know I've got the. <laughs> do you guys get the fan favorites box? Oh, I, did, I did. Yeah. I mean that was banging, wasn't it? Um, it was incredible. Good for, was, great value as well for yeah, what they've got in it. Good value, but it's a long time since I've had uh, ruthless, and, and that was yeah, it was beautiful. Um, the, and the fireside was great as well. Yes. Um, so yeah, that definitely um, not not an intentional thing, but drinking those. If I if I get in that ballpark, then I'd be well happy with it. Yeah, I think I think it was actually that night that you shared the pictures with us when you yeah, were tucking into right. your fan favourites. Yeah. You got a bit excited and, and and sent us some pictures, and then we got very excited, and hence the basketballs. <laughs> <laughs> um, but obviously, you mentioned there that you, the 
triple Oregon Trail is is coming out before um, the, the the reforms come in and the beer duty changes. So this is this is something that we've we've been toying with trying to discuss on the podcast, but we we feel woefully uneducated in 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 this area, and no amount of reading seems to bring us up to speed on it. But you, you've been quite active recently on social media talking about it and i think you've been doing some talks and and i'm wondering if if you might be able to in in absolute layman's terms andy explain what's happening and explain what it's going to mean for firstly you as a brewery and then secondly for the consumers yeah i mean i try and be as succinct as i can because it's quite as you can imagine anything that the treasury and hmrc does is quite a complex and in-depth subject uh, and alcohol duty has always been complicated um but they're basically uh, as a bit of background um you, you may have read about uh well let's just lay things out how they are At the minute a brewery um will qualify for small brewer- breweries discount uh or small brewers relief sbr um if you brew less than five thousand hectolitres per year and uh, to give you an idea we last year brewed about a thousand um what that means is that we pay half the beer duty that a bigger brewery would pay. Uh, now, what happens when you get to 5,000? Um, there's kind of a, a lot of people refer to it as a cliff edge, but very swiftly, as you grow beyond 5,000, your duty relief, that 50% discount disappears. And if you get up to 10, 12,000, you're suddenly paying 80% of the full rate and so on. Um, and there was this, a, a group of breweries um, four or five years ago that got together called the Small Brewers Duty Reform Coalition that basically were trying to highlight that this isn't fair. Um, so they felt that there were a lot of breweries that could kind of hover in that three, four, five thousand hectolitre per year uh, space uh, and compete unfairly against breweries that had tried to push on and grow and suddenly lost their their, brewery, their, their beer duty discount. So um, they kind of campaigned for reform. Um, they got the year of the Treasury uh, and there was a, a kind of a big consultation um, and the Treasury uh, recently uh, announced the changes that, that they were going to make, basically. And those are what come into effect on the 1st of August. And as a headline, um, the main change is that the discount goes away. So that, that 5,000 heck, I could brew whatever I wanted. I could brew 5,000 heck of 10% triple IPAs, and I would pay half the duty. Um, what they've done is change it to be a cash-based discount. So basically, they've calculated it on... Uh, roughly two and a half thousand heck at four and a half percent ABV. So that's the discount that, that, that the maximum discount you can get now before the discount starts to decrease. Um, so yeah, what that means is um, that they basically reduce the amount of relief for small breweries. So you, as you grow, uh, you'll hit the, the discount thresholds faster, but the thresholds aren't as aggressive. So between two and a half thousand and three and a half thousand, however it works out. Uh, you you basically get a five percent increase in your duty rather than it being a big 15 20 jump so they've kind of flattened that curve that kind of cliff edge that was there to make it easier for breweries to grow in theory um there's there's two other changes that are important the first is that uh it used to be that beers below 2.8 percent abv paid a lower rate of duty they've increased that figure to 3.4 so anything that anyone brews below 3.4 whether you're carlsberg whether you're me attracts the same rate the same lower rate and conversely um it used to be above 7.4 you pay high strength beer duty they've increased that to 8.5 but there's now no discount for small breweries on it so um 
Whereas if I brewed a 10% triple IPA, um, there was basically the regular duty and then high strength. The regular portion of it would be discounted by 50% for me. Uh, that's gone. So effectively, it means that anything above 8.5 is going to get very expensive um, to to produce. That's the long and short of it. It's, uh, it's complicated. There are some other things where they've uh, looked at duty across cider, wine, spirits, and tried to uh, flatten the policy such that it's the same across whichever alcohol you're producing. And the duty is now based on hectoliters of pure alcohol, which is, is quite nerdy. But um, yeah, go away and read. The, the consultation that they released was quite interesting if you're into the analysis and, and the, the, the kind of logic behind it. But that's the nuts and bolts of it. So, so let's let's just say then, use, using the example at hand, um, that, that you're getting the, the triple Oregon trail out before these rates hit i I think did did you did you mention earlier that if it goes out after it's going to be probably about one pound 20 more a can yeah so we would pay uh 60 pence more duty per can uh on a 10 percent 440 mil uh that's the increase um the other we looked at a firkin so we had a a couple of firkins of imperial stout knocking about that we we sold recently uh the duty on them and that was 10 percent as well um duty on them Today is sixty pounds. Uh, from August first, it's going to be one hundred and twenty. So it's not a small increase. It's, it's big, I mean, big, yeah, big money. That's, that's doubling, um, isn't it? It's uh... so. I mean, it's. I'm not saying we're going to stop making strong beers, but we need to factor it in. We've talked about that kind of four and a half percent, two and a half thousand heck. Basically, if we brewed um, only nine percent beers, then that two and a half thousand heck is halved because it's not based on volume anymore. It's based on a cash discount. So we got a certain cash discount and we can burn through that quicker if we brew stronger beers. Uh, so there's a definite consideration there to not brew too many of them. So, so do you think we're going to see the return to strong beers being kind of annual releases rather than because because at the moment there seems to be a lot of strong beers re- released. And, you, you know, we've we've spoken before back in the day, you know, the whole Magic Rock on Human Cannonball. And, and and that sort of thing was a once a year kind of thing that people got excited about. Do, do you think we're going to see more of a return to that from breweries, or or do you think we'll see some breweries go say, you know what, fuck it, we're only going to produce strong beers? I mean, if you're if you're kind of um, we're quite a long way bit below the next threshold for duty, so we can get away brewing a few of them. Uh, yes, they'll be more expensive, but it's not going to affect the rate of duty we pay on the rest of our beers. But if you're in that kind of area in your production where it could tip you over the edge quicker you might just say you know what we're not going to make any uh, because we can make three times the quantity of four percent beers rather than brewing tippers uh, and not hit the duty threshold um so i think i mean for us and for probably a lot of small breweries you, you look at it and go well yes it's going to be more expensive um if you look at our production across the year we could probably brew one or two and maybe take a bit of a hit on the margin and balance that out elsewhere do you know what i mean not not to pass all of the duty on um so there's consideration i think it will it's going to be interesting seeing how things play out um in the next six months particularly as you've seen yesterday um carlsberg announced they're reducing from 3.8 to 3.4 it saves them millions what do they do with those millions do they use it to pass on to the publican probably not do they use it to squeeze downwards probably yes um it's going to be interesting bringing that back then to oregon trail i for, for for yourselves, is that going to see any change to what you do there, or as far as you can you're concerned, that's still going to be the same beer, but it's it's quite likely that customers might just have to pay a little bit more for it. Yeah, no, actually, um, the so the the main duty rate um, is is not changed much for us at all. Uh, it depends on your size. If you're bigger, 
I know some breweries nearby that are bigger than us, um, they will save more money on their duty because they're coming in effect down the escalator a bit because of that, that flattening of the curve I described. But for us, um, where we are today, um, kegs of Oregon Trail will pay about a pound less duty uh, on them if they're going to draft or a pound more if they're not. Cans, of, it's not going to affect the price. The only thing that uh, was a factor for us is that our best-selling beer by far is 5.8 when that average worked out at four and a half. So we would, if we just brewed Oregon, we'd reach an extra threshold a little bit quicker because it's stronger, but it won't affect the pricing on it um, for us. Session Oregon Trail, maybe? Yeah, I mean, we've looked at, uh, we've got just about to pack, or did we pack it this week? I can't remember, a 3.4 pale called Luna, uh, because that's a lower duty rate and uh, it's interesting to look at that and can we make a flavoursome beer at, at 3.4 where people buy it? Um, so yeah, it's opened up that, we, you know, we're looking at that as well. Um, it, yeah, it's interesting. I think you'll see, uh, you'll definitely see a lot of the globals uh, use that 3.4 break to their advantage because a beer at 2.8, you can tell it's not the same as the 4% beer, but a 3.4 versus 3.8, you know, probably uh, with the technology available to these globals, um, you'd probably be hard pressed to tell the difference. To be honest, I was, I was gonna, I was gonna say that I, I always felt that table beer didn't quite take off like some people were hoping because I think there's still certainly in this country the consumer uh, mental block when it comes to a three percent beer costing the same as a four percent beer is just too much in this country sometimes, and I see it, I see it in my pub. You know that people can't cope with a three and a half percent beer costing the same as a four and a half percent beer on the bar, and I always think that's been the barrier to table beer. Mm. Previously, could this be the finally that people will ha happily go for a three percent table beer, especially if it is a little bit cheaper? Can you see that happening? I think yeah, from a from a brewing point of view, that three point four versus two point eight is a big difference in that it gives you a lot more body to play with, a lot more flavour you can layer in to a beer of that strength. Um yeah, I think the I mean the savings if you're a global are significant. I mean uh, Steve being able to put a blog out today with some examples in it. Uh but the duty on it, you're saving twenty, thirty quid a cask, you know, uh, if you're a global, if you're oh, brewing wow. three point four now. So it's big, big difference. Um and that's gonna be disruptive um for, sh for sure so uh how that play out i think from a drinker's point of view um it, it'll be uh, yeah, for many would be business as usual a carlsberg drink is still going to walk into the local and older pint of carlsberg uh yeah um carlsberg get richer off it because they're paying a lot less duty but uh, at kind of our end of the market maybe uh people will be uh you know more accepting of the 3.4 given they know that um, it can be brewed to a certain price point with the duty and it helps the brewery and so on. So, yeah, we'll see. I think the next six months are going to be quite formative and, and um, be interested to catch up, you know, near Christmas and see where things have gone because uh, I'm really, uh, you know, at this point, no one really knows where things go other than we know the globals are going to cut, cut ABVs because the, the savings are into the millions. Uh, Andy, you're always welcome here. I mean, it's it's like you're a fourth host at this point. You, you know, you're, you're more than welcome to come back and talk to us about that. I, I, I suppose the one thing to say is that what what we would be hopeful of is is that this doesn't end up in seeing another load of breweries calling it a day and and saying, "Oh no, that that's just making it." Uh, it's just another thing that that's making it too difficult for us to continue trading. Did do you see that being a risk? It's an interesting one, Steve, because. Um... In terms of the brewery our size, for example, we're not going to pay 
much more duty. We we save in one place, we pay more in other places. Uh, it will even itself out. But the, the issue you've got is that potentially uh, those breweries that are a little bit bigger um, are going to save three, five pounds a keg on duty. Uh, and that could potentially cause problems for the smaller guys, you know, if they use that uh, to, to push discounts through and, and to push people off the bar. So uh, I don't know how it will play out. I mean, if, if you could potentially save three or five, three to five quid a keg, do you pass it on? Do you not? Um, it's been tough for the bigger breweries for sure. Uh, more reliant on pubs, for example, that were closed for a while. And um, I, yeah, I, I just don't really know um, how things are going to play out. And I, I hope it doesn't lead to more closures. But I do fear that uh, there was a, a another bit of change in the, the legislation, which was around mergers and acquisitions, which favours uh, more than the current policy the idea that a, a big brewery can buy a small one and gain some relief. Um, although it's been worded to make sure that's not a massive advantage, but that might be a thing we see is more kind of mergers. Um, who knows? Uh, it's 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 early days at the moment. And just very quickly, uh, if you can, uh, but you were in a in a room recently with some of the bigger boys and were criticised a little bit for it. Which, uh, but how did how did that day go? What what, what do you? find anything out about yeah i mean uh, so i was invited uh, by cbia to the all-party parliamentary beer group uh dinner um which is a room of i don't know 120 people half of which are mps half of which are uh, in the industry mostly from big beer um it was fascinating really um sat next to a, an mp we had four mps on our table getting their views on beer duty and on, on the reforms and what they think it will achieve and there was a lot of talk of the i mean the the uh, that 3.4 thing is there to encourage um, people to drink less. It's like, you know, it, it's about, um, you know, they want to see a reduction in strength of alcohol. That's why they, they're penalising beers above 8.5. It's it's that kind of the, the um, notion that we should all be healthier and so on, which is a, a whole different show. Conversation, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But a lot of different views in the room, uh, a lot of representation from, you know, your Heineken's of the world and so on. Um, it was interesting to me to... Um, kind of peering through the window into those circles and see how things work uh, and how policies are formed. And they do happen. Let's not kid ourselves. You know, they do happen at events like that. And, you know, people propping up a bar and, oh, I think we should do this. Uh, and then that forms the seed of a policy. It's not, we don't live in a country where things are always done, uh, you know, by lots of analysis and doing the right thing for, by everybody. So it was a, a fascinating uh, as I say, appear through the window into that room, and, and uh, it was a bit surreal, really. But I'm glad I went. Fantastic. Well, we're glad you went as well. We need, yeah. we need, we need people like you in those kind of rooms. So. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sh shouting, shouting for the little guy. Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> I guess. Thank you for that, Andy. I think um, that's going to be really uh, insightful. It was certainly was for me. Um, I certainly know it. Yeah, it, yeah, me too. Yeah. Like, as we said before, we started speaking to Andy. We kind of like read stuff, but I don't know. A lot of it was just going. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That you put that in layman's terms that we can understand, so we appreciate that. Yeah, and ho hopefully our listeners uh, find that useful as, as as well. Now, Andy, just before we we start to wrap up on on this, there's there's one thing that I do just want to touch on, and it's 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 quite quite sad actually that on on the day that we're recording today, we've heard the the, the very sad news that it seems as though um, it's the end of days for Anchor Brewing in, in in San Francisco. The 
uh they're they're winding the company up they're bringing the administrators in it's all being sold off uh i'm sure i don't think the three of us have had chance really to process what's going on 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 this to give our informed thoughts on 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 this but i'm sure we'll cover that on the the next episode of belonging but obviously anchor steam beer is, is is an iconic beer that's played a part probably in everybody well everybody that's within our bubble our circles our communities in in our beer journeys how has that news landed with you today, Andy? Yeah, it was. It was. I mean, it's been. There's been rumours bubbling for a little while about. I mean, support of the owners have obviously um, not been able to make it work to the point they're happy with it. It's been losing money, um, but yeah, it's a really sad day. Is is the long and short of it? I mean, it's it's one of America's oldest and most iconic breweries. I spent a couple of years living on the west coast, um, just east of San Francisco, and. Um, you know, visited the brewery and, and every bar you go in had steam uh, in bottles at least. Uh, yeah, it's just part of it. I, I almost can't imagine or, or I can't think of walking into a bar in San Francisco, San Francisco and not seeing steam uh, because it's like the, you know, you, the bars in the US all have those the metal things on the wall. Like it's all, I mean, Anchor it is San Francisco beer. It, it's, yes, a lot's happened uh, more recently, but it, it's, it's, it is their beer history anchor and man it's, it's a sad sad day and i hope that um someone can come in and at least retain the ip and keep the the name alive and keep mm. if not the beers at least you know keep it in people's minds because um yeah we i can't imagine uh the american beer scene particularly on the west coast without anchor well, there's there's lots of rumours circulating today, and again, probably why it's best not for us to really go into a lot of detail until more of this has come out. But I've I've, I've seen everything from um, Sapporo are going to take the IP and they're going to brew it out of Stone Brewing as as just just another brand to people literally begging Sierra Nevada to buy the IP and to to keep the beer alive. I I think it's it's interesting, and and I think at, at the times like this, it's always it's always important to say that you know obviously our thoughts are with people that might potentially be losing jobs and livelihoods over this. You know, we're talking about a lot of people that are involved in that brewing process, and and it's it's never great to hear, but it's it really does feel like one of those almost like one of those sliding door moments that without like Fritz Maytag, you, you know, there may never have been anything else we we <laughs> might may have still been living in a world where we were all drinking Watney's red barrel and mass-produced lager uh you, you know it's everything has a reaction doesn't it mm. yeah no i never speak to you know yeah ken grossman i bet he, he'll tell you he was inspired in a way by what they were doing and yeah it certainly enabled where we are today and it's it's a very sad day and as you say i hope it's still breaking and evolving that that story and let's hope that it, it does have a happy ending and um certainly as you said for the staff and people that work there and, and we'll be covering that next month on belonging absolutely mm-hmm. sure, uh, I, yeah. I would have thought let's get back to happier stuff destination is, is a cracking beer i'm halfway through my second can of it um that's <laughs> that's right. how much that's how much i'm loving it it is absolutely um i think rob said it earlier it's absolutely pintable it's so drinkable it's it's got everything that i love about ipa in in it and i, and I think what you've also done andy has put me in a very difficult position because I, I i did go on record a few years ago ago to say if i ever saw kernel in cans that would be it for me i'd, I'd be giving <laughs> up beer so i'm not sure where i'll go from here 
<laughs> we did that. Interestingly, we had to get the can labels printed before we brewed the beer because we we order labels in bulk to get a good price and uh, it, just the timing on where we were with our production cycle. So we've got to get it done. And I kind of sent the label out to Evan. Mark was on holiday. He said, well, what do you reckon to this? <laughs> he mm. said, well, I'm expecting to go, no. But it's not brown. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's got their logo on it, which is nice. So yeah, yeah. no, it's 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 a great beer, and thank you once again for for sending it to us. And and I hope everybody that's that, that's got some of this is because uh, I think it's landed with a lot of people today as as we're recording. So I think there's probably a fair few people that that are going to get get to enjoy it this evening. And I think also this is going to be a bit of a record from uh, for, for us because I think we're going to try and go from recording to releasing this podcast in about two hours. So so, so this is absolutely fresh off of the canning line for mm. anybody that's listening to it to, <laughs> tonight as well. I guess what you've got coming up now is um, – some birthday parties, some launch events. What what what's next for Elusive? Yeah, well, the birthday party. Yeah, so twenty sixth of July, which is my actual fiftieth, um, at Colonel the Tap Room, uh, Arch Seven. So if you're in London or area or the area that kind of surrounding area, come along and let's have a pint. Um, there we got a busy summer for us because we've just taken on another unit. We're waiting for the lease to come through with agreed terms. Uh, Ruth, our MD, has been been driving that and uh, driving our expansion tentatively. Nothing big. Uh, we're basically going to move the tap room into a new unit and expand production uh, by about fifty percent. So uh, over the next year or so. So that's that's quite a nice step up for us. Uh, we've got festivals we're pouring at. So craft theory in Reading, which is my birthday weekend, the the twenty ninth of July. We're at Peak Ender, um, which I loved last year. Absolutely brilliant. Um, which is Thornbridge's festival, um, and then the Rivington Farm Fest, which is uh, oh, at the end of yeah. August. Um, so yeah, we're pouring at those three, which I'm excited about. Um, and then, yeah, the new tap room. Uh, I can't really put a date on that. It depends when we can get the keys. But, I, you know, between now and Christmas, maybe September, October time, uh, we'll, we'll be up and running in Unit 7 and have a new tap room there. Um, so, yeah, a busy summer ahead. And uh, Ruth's got the, the, the good ship elusive sailing in the right direction and um yeah busy busy time for us which is great and, and are you going to get to enjoy any of your birthday celebrations or are you just going to be working throughout no i mean not the the kernel event i will definitely enjoy that uh so yeah no, no work being done there just just drinking and we've got um a couple of ke- as well as uh uh destination we've got oregon trail and our citra pills pouring the Colonel's Tap and, and Mark from Venice guys come along with a couple of kegs of stuff as well. So hopefully it's Cuvée Creek trying to get a, get that on the bar. Uh, but yeah, it'll be a nice event, I think, and I'll definitely enjoy that. The, the 29th, um, we've got a, a little a little kind of private event at the brewery and then we're off to craft theory. So that'll be a little bit, little bit working, a little bit partying, but I'll, I'm sure I'll enjoy it anyway. Again, thank you so much for... Uh... I suppose inviting us to be a little bit a part of 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 this, you, you know, you got us very excited when you sent us the pictures of of, of this beer and the upcoming Oregon trilogy. Um, hence the seven basketballs. <laughs> That's always going to be there now, and and we're we're thrilled that you kind of chose us for for, for this. So, so so thank you for that. 
And I'm sure that we're going to see much more from you and, and Elusive in the next six, 12 months. I mean, you are you are the king of collaborations, aren't you? you you're always <laughs> off doing collaborations somewhere. And you're also the king of West Coast. So that's two crowns <laughs> you're, you're wearing. And I hope they, that they don't weigh too heavy on your head. But thank you so much for uh, involving us in this. And this is this is a great beer. And I, I, I think everybody that, that gets it in a glass uh, is going to thoroughly enjoy it. So thank you so much, Andy. Thank you for joining us. And we do hope that you have a very happy 50th as well. Yeah, have, a great, have a great birthday, Andy. Have a great yeah. birthday, Andy. Cheers, guys. Yeah. Really appreciate Cheers, it. Cheers, Andy.